Lemon Pepper Parlay is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet, you get with Caesar's Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome into another edition of the Lemon Pepper Parlay Podcast. I'm Martin Weiss, joined here with a kid from Kansas City, Mark Gunnels. And uh, Mark, where do you want to start? We had four games this weekend. Uh, three of them were very entertaining. One of them was kind of... Uh, Swan song. It's where Cinderella went to die. The divisional round. And sure enough, she did. Yeah, I mean, we could start in chronological order. Start with that game. That was the first game of the weekend with the Houston Texans going to Baltimore. And Baltimore did what they always do. It seems like when they play a good team at home, they just blow them out. (laughs) I was watching. I was so I was doing updates at Fox Sports Radio over the weekend. And I was the game that I was covering and I had to keep refreshing the box score. Cause I'm like, wait a minute. The Texans only have 15 yards rushing at halftime. Wait a minute. The Texans only have 20 yards rushing Ended the game with less than 30 yards. I mean, 31 yards rushing. I think the whole entire game, I really kept thinking like, there's no way I went from the ESPN box score to like the action network box score, just CBS box score, just to double check. Cause like, this can't be right. This can't be real. But sure enough, the Houston Texans run game was, was non-existent in a way that you rarely see this late in the season. Yeah. I mean, they got beat up up front um, for sure. The Ravens front seven, we know how good they are. And I was wondering, it got to a point where they were still trying to establish the run. And it, it got to a point where it felt like they were wasting place. Like, I, I know you just can't completely abandon it, but sometimes it gets to a point where, like, bro, we're only getting a yard or two every time we do it, we run the ball. You're literally wasting the play. And now you're putting CJ Stroud in a bad position because you're always in third and long. And that's not where you want to live against the Ravens because they led the league in sacks. So if they know it's an obvious passing down situation, they can just pin their ears back and they're getting a lot of interior pressure up the middle, forcing C.J. Shaw out the pocket where he's not the most comfortable. He can make some plays off script, but that's not where he wants to live. That was a knock on him coming out of college. It's like, he doesn't run around enough. He's a pocket (laughs) passer. Yeah, go figure. (laughs) Yes. So, you know, I I just think that uh, put him in a very, very tough spots. But, I still don't think he played poorly. You know, even though you look at the raw numbers, you'd be like, well, they only scored three points offensively. But, you know, I still thought he did a pretty good job taking care of the ball, uh, avoiding as many sacks as he could. But he just wasn't in a position to win. He was never in a good spot. His team pretty much failed him, I mean. And when you're going against that Ravens defense, you're going to need you're you're going to need a running game to a certain extent. Like I'm not saying you're going to run for over 100 yards, average five yards a carry, but you got to have some sort of threat of a running attack. And they just did not have that at all. What you need is balance, and there was none. But I tell you what, uh, watching that game, and I'm not a big body language guy, but I do find it interesting when you see people yelling at their own teammates right like yelling at the refs is something one thing it's kind of, I'm, I'm more of a everybody calm down everybody relax in this moment and when i saw lamar jackson i thought he got hurt on a play they had he had a run to the left and ronnie stanley did not get out on the to the block where he wanted him to be right and he's on the ground like kind of convulsing like 
that I'm like, oh no, did he get a concussion? Did he, you know, did something happen? No, no, no. He was calling Ronnie Stanley everything but a child of God. And then apparently went into the locker room at halftime and called everybody else everything but a child of God. And then you know what he said in the second half? He's like, all right, F this. I'm going to go ahead and get in the backpack, get on my back, because I'm going to take us to the next round of the playoffs. That was one of the most impressive games that I've seen a quarterback play in the playoffs this season was what the, the output that Lamar Jackson put out there, uh, uh, especially in the second half. Yeah, and Lamar, he he has those moments like that where he shows his frustration. He definitely wears his emotion on his sleeve. I thought he got hurt. He was, like, doing like this on the ground, like, shaking his arms. I'm like, oh, my God, what is wrong with this man? He's like, oh, nothing. He's just upset. Yeah, no, I knew he was – I've seen him do that type of stuff before. Like, he, he just wants it really bad. And then obviously, the way the game was going at that point, you know, it's a lot of pressure on him and that team this year, you know. You know, you're the one C, you're your favorite to come out the AFC, probably the favorite to win the Super Bowl, right? So I, I think, uh, you know, that was all weighing heavy on him at that moment. But, yeah, I mean, the guy wants it really bad. You know, 10-10 at halftime, you're like, how, right? Because they had that punt return because their offense didn't do anything talking about Houston. So, you know, you're a little nervous energy there at the bank. But, you know, second half, obviously the defense still kept holding things down in Lamar. But let me talk about the Houston defense, though. The game plan was very interesting to me. They blitzed like 75% of the time. It's crazy. And that is not their identity at all. And then you're playing a lot of man coverage, which is something you really shouldn't do against Lamar Jackson because when you have guys running down the field, you know, talking about receivers and your defensive backs guarding them, uh, obviously your back is going to be turned. And there's a guy named Lamar Jackson that I just mentioned. That's probably the best athlete at the quarterback position in the league, maybe of all time. Just a very, very weird strategy to me. Well, I mean, what they were trying to do was they were trying to be, I would say, they weren't trying to necessarily be multiple, but the math, like Lamar has not necessarily had the best against the Blitz. Like you remember the game where Brian Flores in Miami just tore him apart. And in the first half, you know, they were holding them down. First half, the Houston Texans defense was holding down the Baltimore offense. But I think the biggest difference that we have seen in uh, in this iteration of the Todd Monken Baltimore offense and the Greg Roman Baltimore offense is Todd Monken has answers, right? Like, like they started to do different things against the Blitz, which again then made them eat a lot of those man, like you said, man to man coverages. That's going to be a tough play, especially when you got guys like Likely who are, you know, six, five and tall and can just jump in. You just jumped over people, you know, and it was kind of, you know, Ravens wide receiver core, even though they've added people into the to the mix, you know, it's not to me one of the more. It's definitely not one of the best units left in the playoffs. Right. Like it's 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 better than it has been. But like it's kind of it's like Antarctica is colder. I mean, Alaska is warmer than Antarctica in the wintertime, but you better still bring a coat. Right. So it is better than it once was, but it's still not as good as you'd like it to be. Um, but yeah, so to the Raven, but I think they just figured, listen, we are vastly outmanned in this game, and we're gonna have to very much like the Packers and the Niners, I think we're going to have to have 
some variance in this game to be able to stay in this game. And uh, they, they were trying to create that variance through the blitz. Like maybe you rush Lamar, he throws a pick, you get a fumble recovery or something like that. And now you're cooking with gas. Yeah, I, I understand that thinking. You know, when you're under man, you feel like you got to do things to kind of, you know, get a cheap play here or there. You're talking about like a turnover first, speed his clock up a little bit. Maybe he throws an errant pass. So I understand that. But at some point, I mean, it just has to be demoralizing when you just see a lot of green field and in the middle of the field for Lamar Jackson. He's like, well, I'll just take a little 20 yard run right here. Why not? So I, I just think uh, there was no type of adjustments. And yeah, I know they, they did in the second quarter, especially they were getting after him. But like you mentioned, Tom Munkin has answers, and you saw that in the second half. It looked like Houston didn't adjust at all. But, I mean, we both picked the Ravens to win this game. I, didn't, I don't think we expected to be in this type of fashion. <laughs> Definitely had Houston covering that nine-and-a-half spread. But, I mean, they don't have much to hang their, hats, uh, hang their heads on, right? Hang, you know, hang their heads down about because – uh, you know, this team, nobody thought they would be here this year. They have a lot of cap space. CJ Stroud's obviously on the rookie contract. So I, I do think they have a lot of good things looking forward. And that division is going to be interesting. You got a lot of young quarterbacks there with Anthony Richardson, Trevor Lawrence, and then maybe even Will Levis. We'll see how he does. Does Trevor Lawrence still count as a young quarterback? Yeah, I mean, he's 20, what, 25? Yeah, but I mean, how many how many years in the NFL do you have to play before you're no longer considered young? He's going on your four, right? I would say about five years. I mean, I think it's just something we should think about because, like, people keep talking about – people were talking about C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love in the same category, and it was bugging me because it's like Jordan Love could have played, like, 37 NFL games. He just was on the bench. Like, <laughs> like he's not quite – young he's more inexperienced in terms of games than he is young where cj straw was taking exams this time last year i think those are two like it's two different that's so i just i mean it's different, tiers, we, different tiers of young there's different tiers uh trevor lawrence yeah he's 24 he'll be entering year four next year like you know burrow's going into what year five i wouldn't consider him young but that's only in part because of the you know success that he's had when healthy yeah, I mean, you know, it's all relative because Mahomes is 28, but like, I mean, is that, that's not still considered old, right? But but I definitely I wouldn't mean, consider him, him nor Josh, nor any of those quarterbacks from like that class to be young. Yeah, like, they're, in, they're entering their prime. Can we say that? Yeah, which, yeah, I'm, yeah, I was, when I think about young, I'm thinking of like CJ or Anthony Richardson definitely qualifies as young. CJ definitely qualifies as young. But I think, all right, lemon pepper parlay rule. If you've played over 25 NFL games, you're no longer considered a young quarterback. <laughs> 25 is the benchmark. 25, I mean, it's two and a half, it's two, it's two seasons in a game. Well, that's not quite two years, though, because 17 games, that's, that's, uh, 30, did that's 30. Yeah, that's only that's only like a year and a half. I did the math wrong. I meant to say so two seasons in a game. So it was a 17 plus 17, 34, 34 and a half. 30 play over 34 and a half games, then you're no longer considered young. I need a mental calculator. <laughs> hey, you've always said on the show math was not your strong point. 
It wasn't. That's why I can't even like totals, things like that. It's like, man, are they, who's are they going to score over 50? And then I'll be like, uh, 34 plus 10 is 44 <laughs> under, under. <laughs> oh, man. Can we get into this? The, the most fascinating game to me. I mean, you know, obviously I'm going to say Chiefs Bills, but that Packers Niners game really had me tight, bro. Like the Packers totally choked that game away. And I know you were talking about, and I was going to push back on that. You're talking about the variance with the Texans and Ravens having to do things differently. That's not how this game felt at all. It felt like the Packers were the better team that day. Now, obviously, overall, I know the Niners are a better team. But on that particular game, the Green Bay Packers were clearly the better team. Now, I think a lot of that went into with Brock Purdy and his small hands not being able to play in the rain. Like that's a, that was a thing. I really do. I know we may want to just laugh at that stuff, but that stuff matters. And you could tell, like, he was not comfortable. I mean, there was one play, we saw the replay, where he was wiping uh, the back of his pants before he threw the ball. Like, it was clearly bothering him. And I know Jordan Love threw the two picks. I'm sure you're going to try to rag on him. I know. But he actually played I'm a really good rag on him. I just played a, uh, played a really good what a really I was good saying day. last week that 21 to 1 touchdown interception ratio, either he is the next coming of of of, of God in a football helmet, or he's gonna throw some interceptions in this game. <laughs> like this is like one of the like either he's the best quarterback we've ever seen in the history of quarterbacks, or he's likely gonna throw some picks. But I, I know it's always this weird thing to say this, but I think it truly fits in the situation. Besides those two picks, he actually played a really good game, man. No, thought, he was throwing some dots. I, I thought he was in control for the most part. Um, the Niners really didn't get any pressure on him. And then when they did, he did a good job of, of avoiding sacks. You know, I think there's one part of his game that people don't give him enough credit for is his escapability. So, I mean, the Packers really had that game. Debo went out. You could tell the offense looked way different, especially in those conditions, because Debo can kind of be a cheat code. You can just hand the ball off to him or do a reverse, and he'll get you like 20 to 30 yards. So they, they didn't have that aspect. So if you, I know, and this is one of the, I thought about you. I was actually going to text you this, and it's kind of about the Texans as well, but more for the Packers because they actually really could have won that game. Remember what you always tell me about the Chiefs? You know, you got to win when you're not supposed to win, right? This kind of felt like that with the Packers because everybody's gonna say, "Well, they yep. were ahead. Of, they're ahead of schedule. They'll be fine. They're young. They have the youngest roster in the league." But you got you got to get that one where nobody's expecting you to get it. That's normally the start of like a, a, a hot run of a dynasty, something like that. You got to get the first one because this, after that, every you're on. Everybody's on notice now. Because imagine if you win that game, you're comfortable going to Detroit. That's a division rival. You've already played them twice. Uh, you go into that game thinking you can win that game. You, you already beat them in Detroit on Thanksgiving Day. So I think in a division game in the playoffs, it doesn't even really feel like a playoff game because every time you play them, it kind of feels like a playoff game anyway. So if you're a Packer fan, you're thinking you're going to the Super Bowl. If you beat the Niners on the road, I always got to play Detroit. We play Detroit every year. So th th that one has Lions to stay. You probably think you're going to the Super Bowl too, but I, I mean, I agree, point. but I'm just saying, you, you get what I'm saying though, from a Packer perspective. Uh, would like to say that I don't do player props often, but when I do, they cash. Told you Jordan Love was going to throw two interceptions in that game. And sure enough, he did. But 
I think the thing that we uh, – but the 49ers, here's the key. They reached a new level when they traded for Christian McCaffrey last year, right? And part of the reason why they did that or why they reached that new level, it's twofold. It's you have a running back who can go and line up in the slot, who can play wide receiver at times, and you have a wide receiver who can go play running back. But you need both of those both of those things to be at the maximum efficiency, right? You need both of those to, to be at the maximum 49er offensive efficiency. And I think when either one of them goes down, all of a sudden there's a chain in the link that is just a uh, link in the chain, I should say, that is now falling apart. Because I think that's what happened more often than not more than anything, more than even Brock Purdy in the rain. I think the lights were a little bright for Brock. Uh, I think he was erratic. He was throwing the ball all over the place. Like, I mean, I get that it was rainy and wet, but still throwing a wet football is something that he had to do quite a bit playing for Iowa State. Right. Like the idea that this is Brock Purdy's first game in the rain is not true. Like he played in Iowa. You know, it was all types of weather. He was playing in snow, rain, sleet, all types of ridiculousness. I think the lights were just a little bright because he was missing high, missing low, missing left, missing right. And if the Packers, the difference is the Packers dropped their pick sixes and uh, uh, the 49ers caught their game ceiling interceptions, really. Yeah, I mean, the first drive of the game, I think it was the first play of the game, right? Where uh, I think it was Savage. I can't remember exactly. I think it, it was, was Savage, yeah. yes. He, he dropped it. Would, probably would have been a pick six. And he had one. The savage week. drop. <laughs> and he had one the week before. He had a pick six against Dallas. So he could have had it back-to-back weeks, and that would have set the tone there. But, yeah, I, this Niners team, man, I, what about, talk about that defense, right? We always think about the Niners, think about it, how great their defense is. And I've, I've been skeptical about it all year. You know, I think they kind of live on their reputation more than actually the quality of play. If you look at the raw numbers, then, yeah, I'm sure they're still top five in every single category. But when they play a team that like this, like, right, you got Matt LaFleur, right, against Kyle Shanahan, really, really good buddies. They know each other very well. And you could tell that. You could tell it, right? Because LaFleur came out, he had, they had a good game plan, man. They kept things simple. They uh, actually had Jordan Love under center. You know, a lot of play action. Aaron Jones was eating. And that front, man, they're not getting the pressure that you're used to seeing. But I think a lot of that has to do with, we're talking about how Houston, you have to be balanced. And that's what Green Bay was. So they kept that defensive line and the linebackers on their toes because they had the threat of the run, and then you had the pass game cooking. So you couldn't just pin your ears back, Nick Bosa, and say, I'm just going after the quarterback, because you have to respect the run game as well. The thing for me, you know what, you know what, Bug? We, if you go back and watch a game prior to, you know, 19, I'm sorry, so you go back and watch a game prior to this season, right, or two last two seasons, People have been doing the quarterback sneak since the beginning of football. And because the Eagles decided that they want to put two running backs behind the quarterback and have them push, now because of that, the Packers did not get that first down because no one can see where the ball is because there's freaking Aaron Jones and the other back on the other side are blocking the ball. Like, you don't like legit, like they would have gotten that first down. And if, if they had just ran their standard quarterback sneak, we saw Buffalo do it a few times uh, during the, uh, uh, Kansas City game, which, you know what? 
Kudos to you, Buffalo. Thank you very much for remembering that since literally the start of football, Super Bowl one, they were doing quarterback sneaks. And it's like all of a sudden now we got to have this rugby scrum. And because of that, they didn't get that first down. Now, was it a bad spot? Probably. But you know what you couldn't see on replay? The ball. So you're 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 leaving it up to the official. Like, I can't tell you how many times we see Tom Brady just get a first down automatically. He was one of the best quarterback sneakers of all oh time. Oh, gosh, yeah. Did, is like, did he need help? No. Like, even Drew Brees with a mechanically uh, repaired shoulder would just go, doop, put the ball across the line, scream it, across the first down, and then go down. Boom. First down. It, it, why? Why do we have to do all this? Extra push stuff because Jalen Hurts squats 800 pounds. It's Jason Kelsey is a small center with great drive. Like just run ragged. Like and you know what the other thing about the uh, the tush push booty scooty uh, brotherly shove that drives me insane is that all season I watched almost I watched almost every step of damn near every game this season. There's only been one team to run something that countered it. Like every like, there's only one time where you see somebody do something besides just run straight through, like, and I, I, they handed it off to one of the running backs coming around the side. But like, if you had ran it instead of running like that and had Jordan Love take one step forward and then turn around and hand it to Aaron Jones, they might have scored a damn touchdown on a play because there's nine guys on the ground on the defense. Like, it, it 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 is so unimaginative, and it's just the definition and the worst case scenario of copycat league that you'll ever see. But that's what cost them the game. You know, you were talking about missed a field goal. They did miss a field goal, but so did San Francisco. But like, if you either get three points on that possession or continue that drive right there, they had three drives in the red zone to start the game and came away with six points. You come away with twenty-one points. That's a lot different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right about this. Is the worst uh, example of copycat lead. It kind of reminds me of everybody. Remember when everybody started doing the wildcat? <laughs> yeah, just be, just because it works yeah. over there doesn't mean you got to now start to try it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. just, oh, you know, uh, like, like it's just it it, it drives me nuts. It, it drives me nuts. I don't under, I don't understand it. And it's just like, oh, they got a cool, they got a, it's like looking at the neighbor's car and being like, oh, maybe I should get that car. And then you realize, no, that car is really freaking expensive. And now I can't pay the note every month. <laughs> yeah, man. So I never want to get into the previews of next week uh, after, you know, these next two games, but I, I can't wait to talk about the Niners some more because I have a lot of, lot of question marks about them moving forward, man, especially if Debo cannot go. I, I just think that's super vital, especially you said you meant you think that Brock Purdy was a little the bright the lights were a little too bright for him. You know, I'm kind of more on the I'm kind of more on the side of it was the rain, but I, I I can see that too though. I mean, look, hey, it's you know, believe it or not, it's January. I know that you know climate change isn't real, but it sure seems like there's a lot of weather going on outside across <laughs> the country. Even in LA, it's been raining for the last couple of days. Like, you know, you know, you well, if they make it playoff to, games. Well, if they make it to Vegas, it's in the dome. So they'll be good in that situation. You know, <laughs> you, I mean, sure, you can look at the forecast now for San Francisco and it looks clean. But you know what it just might do? Rain again. It's one of those unpredictable cities for sure when it comes to rain. Let's go to your other. Let's go to what were you going to say? 
I was just about to say another quarterback that threw two game clinching interceptions, oh. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it, man. Um, you know, I think heading to the weekend, this is probably the least attractive matchup on paper. Oh, stop it! This is just, that's disgusting by you. The it least was. attractive matchup. The on least paper, attractive. It was. It's the playoffs. They won. The, it's the divisional round of the playoffs. There's no such thing as an unattractive matchup. I'm just saying. I guarantee you, if you look at all the ratings, this is probably the lowest rated playoff game out of the four. I'm feel pretty comfortable in saying that. That's all I'm saying. Gross energy. <laughs> well, anyway, the Detroit Ratings Lions. The Detroit I did, I'm Lions. sorry, I missed it when you became a TV executive instead of a football fan. <laughs> the Detroit Lions are in the NFC Championship game for the first time since when? I don't even remember. I'm sorry. But it might be the probably the first, the first time, time ever. ever. Is it the first time ever? <laughs> it very well could be. Uh, can you can you check on that, Eddie, for us? We'll appreciate that. But nonetheless, they're in an NFC Championship game. And, you know, the Buccaneers, 9-18. and Because well, the, the last time the Lions, not to cut you off, but the last yeah. time the Lions won a championship was 1957. And that predates the Super Bowl. They just won the NFL championship. Wow. Oh. Eddie actually said Ravens-Texas was least watched. Really? Mm, mm. Now, how you like that? How you I'm like just, that? Least attractive matchup, my. I, I thought I saw something that said that was the most watched ESPN playoff game ever. I don't know these things because it was the most watched ESPN <laughs> playoff game ever. But that just because they yeah. generally don't play playoff games on ESPN. Mm, okay. All right. Well, most I of the time those those are are relegated to uh, basic cable. Well, I digress. I digress. I was wrong. That wasn't that. This is not the least attractive matchup apparently based on the ratings. There's no such thing as an unattractive matchup. <laughs> but no, um, I'll let you take the floor on this game first because I'll be quite frank with you. I, I was I, I watched a lot of the game, but I was in transition of getting ready for the Chiefs game. So I have to go to the store. I just flew back in from Kansas City to L.A. and my flight got delayed. So I did kind of miss some of this game. I saw you were... Uh... Boarding group C, Southwest. No, it was B. It was B. I was B. Well, I just look. I was looking at your at what you posted on Instagram. Uh, well, maybe I just was. Yeah, but I was B though. I flew. Uh, I flew Southwest for like the first time in in God knows how long. And I was like, this is just a this is just madness. Like, this what is, do, this what is do you insane. what do you normally what do you normally fly? Mm -hmm. I'm not really a. Whatever's Delta? on Google Flights, like oh. Southwest is normally on Google Flights. So like, oh, okay. whichever one is the cheapest, I'm not, I'm not stingy. I'm not picky. I'll get on a Spirit flight, you know, uh, you know, but whatever I could book with my credit card points, really. And that's how I ended up on Southwest back from Vegas. And I was just like, wow, this is madness. How does, because <laughs> here's my little secret. I always board like the second or third group, no matter what it says on my boarding pass. Why? Because I don't feel like sitting there waiting all this time. Like, I don't normally have an overhead bag or whatever, but it's like a lot of times as I'm about to board a flight, I've been sitting at the airport bar for a while and I have to go to the bathroom and I'd rather go to the bathroom on the plane than in the airport and somehow like get left or something like that. So like after they do like the first class and they're like, all right, we're in the boarding group too. Yeah, I'm generally going to get up and get up and, and walk on the plane boarding group, too. And See, I'm, I'm yet to be I'm, stopped. 
I'm picky. I, I need a window seat. I'm a window seat guy. Well, see, where I could, uh, the flights that I normally on, you you could pick your seat. So oh, like, so, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't. Southwest is the one that is all, you know, boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. You got to board here. You got to board here. You got to board there. But like, I flew Delta to Vegas last weekend, and I just boarded whenever the hell I wanted to. I just got up, you know. Now nah, you try to get on first class or something like that. They're, yeah, all right, hold on, partner. But like. <laughs> They're not like you got to think about the people who are it's like the people checking out your groceries. You know what I'm saying? It's like they're just trying to get through the line, bro. Like they're not worried about if you just have headphones on, you scan your little thing and you keep it pushing. Then uh, then uh, then, yeah, you're probably going to be good to go. But no. So I was in San Diego watching this game at a Lions bar with my oh, really? stepbrother. Oh, wow. Um. And a good friend of mine who was in town. But for me, like, I've heard a lot of different uh, commentary on this. People were saying, like, I thought the Lions were in control of this game for the vast majority of it. Um, Baker had a good drive at the end of the first half. But um, outside of that, uh, the my, one of my main takeaways was as soon as Rashad White scored a touchdown, did you see his celebration? I did see that. I did see that. Are you familiar with who Blade Icewood is? Not, not really. So Blade Icewood, may he rest in peace, was a uh, famous underground Detroit rapper, okay. which is crazy now because every song sounds like it's from Detroit. But when I moved to Detroit, all of that, uh, like those type of beats and just people just blatantly disregarding them while they rap over it, uh, you know, because that's that's a Detroit staple right there. Like the whole blue, like. Detroit rap walks with like groups like the Blue Bucks Clan could exist. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been listening to that type of stuff since like high school. Yeah, so, you know, and to, to find out they're from California, it's like wow, you guys really stolen the sound. Yeah. Um, but he had a song, and the basic premise of it is, "Boy, would you boss up and get this money?" And there's a dance that goes attached with it, and the dance goes something like. Like this, boss up and get this money. Yeah, I'm Would familiar you? with that dance. Boss up yeah. and get this okay. money. Okay. So when Rashad Wright did that, it was over <laughs> for the for the Buccaneers. It was like there was no way that the gods of Detroit were going to allow the Lions to lose in such an embarrassing fashion. When you come in and do our dance, get get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, Rashad White too. He's from Kansas City, so you know I know a lot of people from Kansas City kind of adapt. I guess everybody adapts to Detroit rap at this point, yeah, honestly. But you know the Midwest connection there, so I'm sure he was, he's very familiar with that. But uh, my takeaways from this game still still have major concerns with that Detroit secondary. Man, uh, Baker Mayfield threw for 350 yards. I know he had the two picks, but Mike Evans just completely cooked them. I mean, eight catches, 147 yards with a touchdown. Could have had more. I know he had a couple drops as well. But I will say this. I, I want to say, and I've been saying this all year, and I know they David Montgomery's good too. I think Detroit needs to lean more into Jameer Gibbs, man. I, I mean, he only had nine carries, but he had 74 yards, like eight and a, over eight yards a carry. He had a touchdown. And then in the passing game, he did have four catches for 40 yards as well. But 
I think his volume needs to increase even more than what it is because he's super explosive, man. Like I even said it before, when I watch him play, he really reminds me of Jamal, Jamal Charles. You know, Kansas City Chiefs great. Like he is super explosive with the ball in his hands, man. And I just think that's such an advantage because he's literally faster than everybody on the field. And if you give him the ball open space and they have so many weapons, right? Like you have you have so many guys out there like J-Mo, right? Ahmad St. Brown, Sam Laporta. You have so many guys you got to worry about. So I, I think there's so many opportunities for him to get an open space and to really be a game changer. But I just want to see his volume increase a little bit more. Uh, me too, because I definitely drafted him in our fantasy postseason draft, of which we are in third place right now. What didn't help was Kansas City's defense not stopping Josh Allen at all, really. Uh, that didn't help because I drafted Kansas City's defense and everybody else took Kelsey. I took Njoku and Kincaid for the tight ends because I kind of figured tight end is a non-premium position and, you know, everybody was going to take Kelsey. So I was trying to zig instead of zag. Kelsey had two touchdowns. Jameer Gibbs has had two touchdowns in back-to-back games and he outscored who everybody else took on Detroit was Armand Ross St. Brown. So maybe if Kansas City's defense could force a turnover or two, we uh, could score some more points here. But how? speaking of turnovers, how about C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Baker Mayfield going back and forth, uh, you know, pre, uh, pre-game with C.J. saying that they have a lot of weapons, but they had a good quarterback, so on and so forth. And then Baker saying that C.J. needed to watch more film because Russell Gage hadn't played all year. And then CJ getting the interception and then handing the ball to Baker Mayfield on the sideline. Uh, CJ, CJ, GJ is one of the elite stuff talkers in this league. And I always, I always like it when they end up are able to pay it off. And I knew when he signed in Detroit that he was going to be the type of person that the city would rally behind because of who he is and his energy. I was just going to say he embodies, I feel like, everything Detroit is about. <laughs> like the the trash talk, hard nose, gritty, has some swagger to him. Like, yeah, I, I could definitely see that, how that was a match made in heaven there. It's, it's kind of crazy because I feel like everywhere he's been actually kind of fits his style. Like New Orleans, I feel like even fit it. And then Philadelphia. So I feel like he's he's always in these cities that kind of embodies his character. Uh, I didn't notice this watching the game live, but why would you not use the timeout uh, to extend the game? Like, it's the playoffs. Like, why would you not just make – I would make them play it out. Like, in baseball, the, you, the game's not over until everybody has 27 outs, right? You know what I'm saying? Or the winning team has 27 outs. I would go ahead and make that thing go all the way to out 27. Who knows? Maybe they fumbled a snap. I mean, I – you know, and I know people are crushing them for going for two down eight. I, I was don't just really gonna hate ask, it. I was just gonna ask you about that. I don't hate it. I just hate the goal line fade, especially when the goal line fade hits the hits the defensive back in the butt. Yeah. And <laughs> at that point, I was at the Chiefs bar, and decisions like that is why some people think, you know, coaches and stuff like that are in on with Vegas because the spread was six and a half. If they converted that two-point conversion, they're only down by six. And they're like, why? 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 Because if you could just kick the extra point, you get a touchdown, then 
you obviously could tie the game, go to overtime. So I don't know. It was kind of bizarre to me. I ain't going to lie to you. Like, I mean, I can see the the somewhat of the logic there because you're like, okay, we're the underdog here. Let's try to cut the six and then we get touchdown and we just kick the extra point and win the game. But you don't really see that decision made very often. So apparently all the analytics nerds have been have been all across the timeline saying it's happening more and more over 30 percent increase or increase rather over the last five or six years. But the logic is if you convert that two point conversion, then you can win the game in regulation with the standard touchdown. If you don't convert the two point conversion, you're still going to go for two anyway to try to tie the game. Now, the I just would like to see better play calls on these moments. Like I'm not, I'm not anti-analytics. I'm not anti-going for it or any of that. But like again, with the were, twist I pusher, were, I thought you were anti-analytics. Not when it doesn't make not when you I'm I'm not I don't like it when guys will call a dumb play and then say, well that's what the analytics said to do. Like the analytics didn't tell you to throw a goal line fade, which is one of the worst plays to me that you can call when you need one yard. You know, it's like, like, why would you do that? That was dumb. Like, I'm not a big fan of analytics when it's like, oh, we're going to do the tush push with Jordan Love. Like, if you just ran up and if you lined up and ran regular goal line plays, I'd be in for it. Like, Dan Campbell goes for it all the time. But his his portfolio of short yardage plays or got to have it plays seems like he's prepared to go for it all the time. When you're just calling goal line fade, to do it, like just doing it to do it, it feels like exactly that. You're just doing it to do it. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. So, so let's go ahead and get to the best matchup of the week and the most appealing one to watch. Oh, I mean, that's not even debatable. We we all agree on that, right? There's no <laughs> such thing as a bad matchup in the playoffs. I didn't say it was a bad matchup. I just said out of the four, I think it was probably the least anticipated. That's all I said. You, but, you know what was least anticipated? Josh Allen trying to throw that ball into the end zone, uh, or what was it, third and nine? If he had thrown that with any anticipation, you know, we would have had to see Mahomes and that Kansas City offense come back and score a touchdown. I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, so obviously, the Chiefs escaped Orchard Park, went in twenty-seven to twenty-four. My biggest takeaways from this game. Was not pleased with the run defense, especially in the first half. But I understand the game plan. If you saw, I don't know if you saw the numbers, but this was the most game. This was the most times in a game where Josh Allen threw the ball behind a line of scrimmage in his career. You know, it was a lot about throwing the ball in front of the line of scrimmage. Well, yeah. What was that? <laughs> yeah, that was that was crazy. That was, that was wild. Yeah, that was crazy. I thought I was like in a different world. I'm like, is, is does nobody else see this? That was wild. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the game plan obviously was to not allow these big shot plays. They didn't have no explosive plays, which are plays over 20 yards. I know they did have a couple of potential ones that maybe they could have caught, you know, Stefan Diggs and that uh, drop was egregious. Yeah. Yeah. So they had a couple opportunities there, but it was, it was clear that the chiefs were okay with them bending, but not breaking talking about the defense. Yeah. You can get some yards here, but we're going to buckle down in the red zone, force you to kick three. And, you know, it was frustrating watching it in real time because I'm like, why is nobody guarding James Cook out the backfield? 
He's just leaking every time. And it is a first down. Like, what is going on? But I, I understood what the assignment was. Now, up front, definitely could have been better. It definitely got bullied in the first half. Uh, was missing Derek Nottie for sure. Chris Jones was not even in the game on the early downs, but he's not the best at run defense. But still, I think when you're short, another defensive tackle, maybe you want, want to have a Chris Jones out there a little bit more, just a little bit, you know, maybe crazy thought. But all in all, I think the second half was a lot better. And that's one thing the Chiefs have done well defensively is the, making halftime adjustments. They uh, they allowed the fewest second half points out of any team in the league this year. And the Bills only scored, what, seven in the second half at this corner, 17 in the first half. So I was pleased with that. And then the offense looked really crisp, man. I mean, I know early on we we're settling for field goals, but the, the ball was moving. You know, we had a good balance. Pacheco was setting the tone early. You know, it had some CEH mixed in there as well. And then it just set everything up for Mahomes and the play-action game. And how about MVS? MVS sighting Martin. He actually caught the ball a couple of times in this game in, in some crucial moments. So definitely was happy with that. But, Martin, when I tell you, and I was thinking about how you felt when you were watching Michigan throughout this whole playoff run and you were, like, physically ill. When I tell you, Martin, I was physically ill. When McCall Hardman fumbled the ball at the one-yard line, like, oh, my God. You would have loved to see my reaction in the whole Chiefs bar. It was Well, especially because I, you were <laughs> tweeting about how McCall Hardman was going to be an extractor for yeah. this game. And I was like, oh, yeah. well, don't you know, buddy? Don't you know? I don't know. Who should I blame more, though? Because why even run that play in that situation? That's that's kind of where I'm at with this. It's like Isaiah Pacheco is probably at this point, all due respect to Travis Kelsey, your most effective offensive weapon outside of your quarterback. You know, I run the ball. Just just run it regular. Just run it regular. Why? Well, what are we doing? It's like the Chiefs get to short yardage. Ever since Patrick Mahomes got rolled up on a quarterback sneak, the Chiefs short yardage has been absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, bro, we had the ball at the two-yard line. If you score a touchdown there, you go up 10. The game's essentially over because they, they're not stopping you at all. And, you know, the pressure is starting to mount on Josh Allen. You probably get a turnover at that point because he's starting to press. And I'm like, there's no way our season can end like this. There's no way. But luckily, the defense still buckled down. And we're able to escape because it shouldn't even and, came down to that. And I'll just say shout out to your defense for picking up the offense because everybody else would have said, that's why it's the worst rule in football. No, the end zone is a special place. And if you reach out like a on the goal line, you get it knocked out of your hands and it goes out the back of the end zone. You shouldn't be rewarded. The punishment should be punitive. It should be something where you lose the ball. You know why? Because if you're on offense and you fumble the ball at the back of the end zone, you know what? The other team gets two points, right? Like, no, it's, it should it should be a punitive punishment. And all you crybaby whiners who, who, you know, participation trophy jerks who are like, no, they need the ball at the 20. No, no. So every time you fumble at the back of the end zone, you're automatically just setting up for a three-point attempt? No, 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 no. Fumble out the back of the end zone. You deserve to lose the ball. And McCall Hartman deserved to lose the ball because you fumbled. Like, what are you doing? You're 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 a five nine wide receiver. Go down, champ. Live to fight another down. It was like first or second down on that play. And I got to sit here and read everybody complaining about it and how the NFL competition committee is going to take a look at the rule. What happened to the game? I love. That's what I want to know. 
<laughs> Are you fantasy football playing jerks? What was your biggest takeaways from this game? My biggest takeaway was, damn, ride right again? Again? And I actively, in the moment, turned to my friends and said, I would go for this fourth and nine. I would go for it right here. Because you need a touchdown to win this game. You really want to extend this game? Like, I don't I don't know. I wouldn't kick this field goal. And, I, and that thing didn't have a chance. Oh, my goodness. They'd almost – look, if you were sitting behind – uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I'll get back to it in a second. But the Raiders just hired Tom Telesco as the GM. From the Chargers. From the Chargers, whose last game with the Chargers was a 63-21 to loss to the Raiders. I'm crying. That's like the opposite of Belichick to Atlanta. <laughs> That's wow. nuts. Yeah, so I, it just popped up on my phone. I looked down and I saw it. I was it literally lost for words right there. That's insane. Uh, and <laughs> well, was it more insane than that fake punt to Demar Hamlin? That was a moment. That was a moment right there. That was a moment. And I, when they came out, I like, you know, a lot of times you can kind of tell when somebody's about to fake the punt. Bro, I, literally, I literally got on the bar, no lie. I said, they're about to fake this punt right here. It was so <laughs> obvious to me. <laughs> but but to see DeMar Hamlin get a, you know what, good pay. You know what? Guy's been active for like, what, six games on the year? Out of a carry. I was just like, that's when, that's when you guys text us like, are we still good to record at the same time? And I was like, I guess so. Are you guys not watching this game? <laughs> Fake punt to DeMar Hamlin. McCall Hartman fumbled the ball out of bounds. <laughs> I'm, I'm squarely in Sunday right now, but Tuesday should work. Like, this is square. This is nuts. Um, it felt such like a, this is going to be a, a ABC miracle moment, a fairy tale. DeMar Hamlin gets the first down on the fake punt. Oh, my gosh. It's going to Bill's lore. <laughs> Bill's lore, all right. Uh, to me, this was a – I said this on the radio on Saturday. This was going to be a program-defining win or loss for the Bills. Like, if they want it, it's validation. If they lose it, it's, it's trepidation. Like, it's the idea, like – you are in trouble, brother, because, I mean, like you like you said before the show, you have to have a guy in the AFC if you want to make the playoffs. Well, Josh Allen's a guy. There's no doubt about it. Like, is he is he erratic? Sure. But the highs are so high that you'll deal with the lows. You know, like, but, uh, and to, uh, to be clear, I think he played great on Sunday. You know, I I know that he had a couple. There was a couple drops. You know, I don't know how you throw that ball to Diggs better. You know, uh, you know, you pr- I'm sure you could have made it a little bit of an easier throw. The safety did was able to catch up the one, but still, it was 65 yards in the air. Like at that point, you're going to need somebody to make a play for you. Um, yeah. But I am seeing. I'm not. I'm not necessarily surprised to see the the go around of of people who are now pushing back on Josh Allen. I just would like to say, welcome to where I've been. Speaking of Josh Allen, you see how where his cap hit jumps next year. This year it was eighteen million. Next year, forty-seven million. That's expensive. Yeah, and they're still on the books for Von Miller. 
Remember that contract? He had zero sacks this year. I mean, he only had. I, I read somewhere he was made. He for the contract he made, he made like two million dollars per tackle, which good good work if you can get it. Wow. So I'd like to make two million dollars per tackle. Maybe I can make one or two and just <laughs> and pull it out. Real quick though, before we preview championship weekend, where do you think the Bills go from here? Like, what do you see as their their future holds now? I think they're they're going to be on the the Saints with Breeze plan, and that's just Rob Peter to pay Paul, kick it down the line, you know. Because as much as maybe maybe you move on from the head coach, maybe because I think that that team gets tight in tight moments, and I think that it was evident in that last drive where. They were doing well, driving the ball down the field, you know, trying to control the clock and all of that. But then all of a sudden, you know, first down went haywire, third down went haywire. And let's be honest, if Josh Allen, you know, slides to the right just a step and then delivers that ball to the end zone, then they're in good shape. But, I mean, how good a shape? Because then the score would have been what? Uh, it it would have been, been 31-27. 31 to 27. And Mahomes gets the ball back with a minute 50 on the clock, two yeah. minutes, like had, the two minute two, warning, two timeouts. Then you couldn't tell me that everybody in Buffalo wouldn't have been clenched to think that, uh, you know, it's happening. It's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. It's going to do it to us again. Yeah. I, I will say though, from a chief's perspective, I would have been in a complete panic if they would have went for it on fourth and nine. So I'm glad they kicked it. I'm so relieved they kicked it because if they would have got that fourth, fourth down, they could have milked the clock until the very end, and then Mahomes wouldn't touch the ball, and they could have got a touchdown to win the game with, like, no time left. So that definitely it kind of let us off the hook because even if you make that field goal, Mahomes only has to go down 30 yards or so to get in the field goal range with a minute 47 left. And the way their defense was playing, they were not stopping the Chiefs from getting in the field goal range. So even if he made that, like, and Harrison Bucker is one of the clutchest kickers, like, I – have full faith in him in that situation. So they would have lost anyway if they made that field goal. Probably. Probably. Like I, I would have I mean I bet I only made one bet this weekend and that was it. I bet pretty heavy on the Chiefs, both money line and the spread. Like I told you last week, there was only gonna be one upset and there only was. All right, let's get into championship weekend. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All of this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OMAHAFULL and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get to stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only. Must register with the eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is held as a loss. Bet maximum bonus bet 
$1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. No one to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, and Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, Martin, before we preview championship weekend, got to talk about your Michigan Wolverines and your head coach, who may be your former head coach here pretty soon. Based on reports, he's had a second interview with the Chargers, and they feel like they feel like he's close to becoming the Los Angeles Chargers new head coach. So I'm just going to leave the floor open for you. Yeah, you know, I feel like a multimillionaire, so I guess that's how I'll pay my bills next month. <laughs> a lot of vibes on the bills, right? Just vibe out, man. <laughs> to to misquote Marlo Stanfield, do it or don't. I got somewhere to be. Like, call me when it's done, right? Call me after it happens. Just like, you know, I feel like dinner will be ready in half an hour on Thanksgiving Day. And then you look up and now it's, a, you know, you've already watched a full football game and, and they're still in the kitchen banging the yams and, and, uh, and the turkey together. Like, no, what this feels like? I, oh, I feel like I got enough gas to make it. No, that's why you sit on the side of the road. I ain't gonna lie. I've, I've actually tried that theory plenty of times, and luckily I haven't ran out of gas yet. Well, <laughs> you know what you're doing? You're playing with fire. Are you actually you're playing with gas? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it, all of this. It's like on sun on Saturday, it was reported that. The uh, it was Belichick's job to lose in Atlanta, right? And the, like that's Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports reported it was he was might as well be a done deal if Belichick wants a job. Comes down today, well, actually, not so much. Like no, it, I, I can't stand this whole and you do it with two things: the coaching cycle and then the NFL draft. Like if you watch the the last season of college football, to me, C.J. Stroud was the best quarterback. You walk down Georgia. Like, and if the field goal kicker doesn't miss a kick at the strike of midnight on New Year's Eve, 
then they likely would have won the national championship, right? In my opinion, they didn't, whatever. But somehow throughout all of that, we got the S2 cognition test, and now all of a sudden, who can CJ Stroud doesn't run enough? CJ Stroud, like, what are y'all talking about? Like, you know, and, and I'm not even trying to come and and knock um and knock Bryce Young in this moment. It's more of a why was everybody knocking down CJ Stroud? Like, like he's gonna have to do something else besides play football in the NFL. Like, we all we hear about how, like, did you hear? Any any news about how Brian Callahan was going to be the new Titans head coach until he was named the Titans head coach? No. So call me after it's done. Call me when it's done, when he signed on the bottom line. Until then, you, Jordan Schultz, and all y'all can have it. You know, y'all can have, have the engagement, get your Elon checks out there. But, you know, no, because the Chargers have interviewed like 80 million people for this job. Both the Lions offensive and defensive coordinators interviewed for this job just yesterday or just Sunday. So uh, just our Saturday, I should say, uh, call me when it's done. Call me when it's done. Andy right. Reid, I retire after this. Call me when it's done. <laughs> right. All this might and maybe and would be and, 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 and could be and would be like all of this up high in the sky foolishness. Call me when it's done. All right. Well, I have a feeling we'll it'll be done by the time we record next week. So we'll see I, what happens. Oh, you got it. Now you got the vibes. <laughs> right, let's get into championship weekend, man. And. You know, I'm going to save the Chiefs for last on this one. Let's start off out here in California, Santa Clara, where as of right now, there's clear skies for the forecast on Sunday, where the Detroit Lions travel to take on the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners are seven-point favorites. The over-unders at 51 even. I'll start on this one. Hold on a second. Because one other thing, I'll say right here, right now, Jim Harbaugh would be dumb to go to the Chargers. I think he'd be dumb. Think about the coaches that got fired this year. Pete Carroll got fired. Bill Belichick got fired. Uh, uh, who else? Mike Vrabel got fired. Like, Mike Tomlin was on the hot seat. Okay? Now, obviously, there's some other guys that got fired, too, like Arthur Smith, Frank Wright, whatever. But you know what those three guys got in common? They all made the playoffs in the last three years. They all, you know, Vrabel was the one sheet in the AFC. Just a blink of an eye ago. Pete, uh, Pete Carroll was on a playoff. I mean, he's been in multiple deep playoff runs. Bill Belichick speaks for itself. You know what these guys got? Fired after two or three years of not looking great. Seahawks were in the playoffs last year. They were in the playoffs last year with Juno Smith. Yeah. The year after they traded Russell Wilson, everybody's supposed to be down on them, supposed to be over with. They lose their offensive coordinator to Tampa Bay. Boom, it's over with there. Like, you only have three years to get it right in the NFL. And you're going to go to a division with two Hall of Fame coaches and Sean Payton and Andy Reid, the, the Chiefs have ran the AFC, at least the AFC uh, uh, to the championship round. And for the last six years, since Mahomes been a starter, you don't know what the Denver Broncos are going to build, but I have a feeling they'll be better than last year because just off the strength that Sean Payton's really good at this. And who knows what the Raiders will do now that they got a guy like Antonio Pierce, who the team clearly was playing hard for and really likes. And, you know, he's got to fill out his hire and fill out his staff. And I don't know if Tom Telesco is the best move, but you know what? We'll see what else happens with the rest of that, with the rest of that organization. But to me, to me, the, the one of the more attractive jobs is Atlanta because there's no competition in the division. You go to the chargers, you're going to congratulations. You're, you're signing up to lose between, in my opinion, between Denver and Kansas city, you're signing up to lose three or four, three, of, of those four games. 
that you're going to play. So you're walking into the year 14 and three just to start, and that's in division. I know we shouldn't have got you started on this topic. <laughs> what you say? Go ahead, no, take know, the job. Yeah. Take the job in LA, and then you know what? You'll get, when when you get fired in three years, all that money's guaranteed. But it, at Michigan, you'd have bought yourself five years of job security with a national title. Even if you do get suspended for the entire next season because of whatever the NCAA may or may not put down, it is for the long term success, especially with a, with a guy like uh, Saban stepping down, Alabama, who has been the crown jewel of college football for the last ten years. Uh, the guy like Saban stepping down, your main competition is going to be Ohio State and Georgia, and and you have beaten the the you have put. I don't want to make anything that you have to bleep out, but you have destroyed Ohio State the last three years. Like I, you, especially with the expanded playoff, you can even lose to Ohio State and still make the expanded playoff. What's the good luck? Good luck. All right, let's get back on track here. So the other Michigan team, the Detroit Lions, <laughs> against the Niners. Niners are seven-point favorites over under at 51. I'll start on this one. Why are the Niners seven-point favorites? This is insane to me, especially considering we don't know if Debo is going to play or not. I think the Lions could actually win this game. So this spread is really wild to me, and it's almost – it, it feels like what you say is a rat line because it seems too easy to pick Detroit plus seven. I think you're going to be on that side too because, I mean, Detroit's offense, I don't see why they can't move the ball on the 49ers at all. I have no worries about that. That Niners secondary is very, very uh, vulnerable. And if they can't that, get... The Niners are going to have to stop the run. And yeah, exactly. We've yeah. seen the yeah. Niners... Aaron Jones was, I mean, that that last, what, that fourth quarter run from Aaron Jones was crazy. Yeah, yeah. This, the only way I can make sense of this line is the fact that the Niners just have way more fans than the Lions. And they just got way more money. Because I just, I can't even make sense of it, Martin. I mean, can you? Uh, well, the Lions did lose Brock Wright, the backup tight end. And okay. tight ends are a pretty big part of that offense. Uh, but no, the answer to the question is no. I don't, I don't, this line, I think the AFC line is perfectly priced. This line to me is kind of wild. I, I, uh, Jared Goff outside concerns me because people were saying the Lions have a road home split issue. And I think really it's more of an outside inside issue, but Brock Purdy outside just concerned me a lot. (laughs) And the other thing is like of the four teams remaining, only two quarterbacks have played in the Super Bowl, and one of them plays for Detroit. <laughs> like, one of them plays for Detroit. Like, Jared Goff is well familiar with the NFC West. He's well familiar with the 49ers. And if I guess you say the 49ers are familiar with him, but they've been on three different defensive coordinators since he got there. Like, you know, he, he, Jared Goff has played in uh, Levi Stadium in Santa Clara several times. Um, so, no, and at this point, I think the Lions – it's, this may sound counterintuitive, but I think the Lions have better trenches. And if the way I like to evaluate football is from the trenches outwards, and I think that while the 49ers may have more dynamic offensive weapons, if you don't have Debo, then you lose a lot of that multiplicity that the 49ers feast on. And that's what makes it so hard for defenses to stop them. I think without Debo, you could argue the Lions have better playmakers. Gibbs, I'm not going to push back too Gibbs, Jamo, Laporta, Montgomery. 
it's pretty comparable without Debo, I think. And well, you and you left out probably the best slot receiver in the league right now. Oh, I'm on Sam Brown. How how dare I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm on the Lions in the seven in this one, and I do think they have a great shot to win outright. People are treating this team like, like they're the Cinderella's here. And they're really not. Like they've been one of the better teams all year. They had a little bit of a falter around Thanksgiving. But since that, since since they if you think about it, this team really should be the two seed. If the referees just did their job and saw that uh, Taylor Decker was the one waving his arms in front of his breastplate to say that he's the one that's eligible and not Dan Skipper, this team would be the two seed. So no, I, I think this to me is the one seed versus the two seed in the NFC, especially when you look at the stinker the Cowboys laid out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely taking the seven points here. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, yeah, no pushback at all. And so the next game, my Kansas City Chiefs are traveling to the bank, MNT Bank in Baltimore, take on the Ravens. This is actually be their first home AFC championship game in that stadium. Because a lot of the times back in the day, they were on the road and had to play like the Bradys and the Steelers and things like that. They never had a sure. home AFC title game. So the Ravens are a three-and-a-half point favorites. The over-under is 44-and-a-half. I'll let you start on this one. This is tough because I just want to automatically take Mahomes as an underdog, right? Like that a lot of times is the only handicapping that you need to do when you see Mahomes as an underdog like around the field goal. It's like, well, you can't give me Kansas City. But this year it would have burned you quite a few times. Um, I think that the this is going to be the best team that the Chiefs played all playoffs. Uh, obviously, it's not a hot take. But also the healthiest team that the Chiefs have played all playoffs. Like, A.J. Klein was calling the plays for Buffalo's defense. A.J. Klein wasn't on the roster in September, you know, for Buffalo. Miami was missing eight and a half defensive starters, and you could tell that they were one, two, three Cancun because it was way too cold out there for them boys. Um, I, I think this is going to be the Chiefs' biggest test of the playoffs so far, and I'll go ahead and take the three and a half, but I do think that this is a 27-24 game Baltimore's way. Mm, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm definitely taking the Chiefs on the spread. You know I'm taking the Chiefs to win this game. You know I'm not betting against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. I mean, don't get me like, wrong. It's not crazy. It's it's, yeah. it's not a crazy take to think the Chiefs might make the Super Bowl. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not oh, you yeah, know, this yeah. is not like week 11 where it's like, dude, what are you looking at? Although yeah. I will say the Chiefs, it, it is really giving me vibes of, you know, and you're one of these people who like to do this, of last week was the Super Bowl. For, for, the, for the last week was the real AFC championship game. And now, you know, they're like, no, no, no. This is the real AFC championship game. Oh, no, game. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Just, no, I don't feel I didn't feel that way at all about this one. No. Nah. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're saying, though. But, yeah, I don't think that applies here, though. The Ravens are clearly, clearly been the best team uh, thus far. So I, I, I do, though. I will say this, though, Martin. <laughs> I'm kind of going to your thing in a different way. I think the winner of this game does win the Super Bowl, though. I will say that. I don't think the NFC, whoever wins, is not beating either one of these teams. I will go out and say that right now. So uh, I think the Chiefs win this game. It's going to be very, very challenging. But I will say at the same time, Baltimore, I looked at their schedule, right? They haven't really faced many quarterbacks that is able to ad-lib and do things off script. If you look at their schedule, they haven't really faced those type of quarterbacks this year. So I do think that is going to be a major factor. I think you have to see Mahomes use his legs a lot more in this game. So I would definitely take his over on his rushing yards, whatever that is. 
Cause I do think you're gonna he's gonna have to do that in this game because they have a really good secondary. Marlon Humphrey probably will, Marlon Humphrey will probably be back this week. He didn't play last week against Houston. So, I, I, but at the same time, we talked about it earlier. Can the Chiefs run the ball on them? You know, we've seen Pacheco look pretty look really good actually. You know, lately, but this is going to be a different challenge. You're going against that front. So if they're Especially without to, Joe Tooney. Well, we don't know for sure. It's still up in the air, but it doesn't seem likely. But, but even if, even yeah. if, like, just yeah. playing right guard, if he's got a hurt right peck, it's going to be a lot harder to block that A-gap. And Justin Matabuke is, like, top three defensive tackles in the NFL, top five defensive tackles in the NFL. He's going to be a handful. Well, Tony, he's he's left guard, though. But I get, I get your point, though. But, yeah. So if they're able to run the ball, I, I think that goes a long way as far as the Chiefs winning this game. And then on the other side... You know, you're not going to shut down Lamar Jackson, but can you just at least contain him? Can you force them into some third and long situations? Is Willie Gay going to play? Yeah, he says he's going to. He t- at least he tweeted after the game. He said he'll be good to go. So Because saying, that's that's the that's yeah. like the designated spy for Kansas yeah, yeah. City's defense. And if he yeah. can't go, that's going to that's going to make things very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, they definitely need him. But I, I think he'll be good to go based on what he said on Twitter. So. We'll see, man. I, I, it's going to be a hard game, you know, but all the pressure is really on Baltimore, man, to be honest with you. You know, the Chiefs have won before. They've been here before. This is Lamar's first AFC championship game at home. And I think getting out to an early lead can go a long way because maybe you can throw them off their game plan a little bit where they just can't rely on the run game, you know, and just try to just play ball control. Yeah, I to me, this is about the Chiefs' defense. The Chiefs' defense has been the better unit all year. Uh, the Chiefs' defense has been, I mean, I, even though they didn't necessarily uh, play, ex- I think there was a lot more Buffalo offensive miscues than great Chiefs' defense uh, against that Buffalo team. But they're going to have to really play really good defense in order to win this game, I think. And I'm not necessarily concerned with Mahomes, but I'm more concerned with the offense output that I saw all season prior to really Sunday, right? Like the idea that all of these guys uh, are now going to be able to just snap back into, you know, McCall Hartman is going to be the the X factor and MVS is going to stop dropping balls. And Travis Kelsey, I mean, he played the fewest snaps he's ever played this season. You know, how is he feeling right now? I know that his brother feels great. You know, <laughs> jumping in and out of the stands and chugging beers with no shirt on and so on. But it's just, you know, it, the Chiefs to me put their best game on paper and on eye test on Sunday. So maybe they're playing their best football at the biggest time of the year, which is which would be great scheduling and great timing. But I still have this this image of Mahomes throwing his helmet and yelling at people. Uh, on the sidelines, and because we saw it several, we saw way too much this year for it to just not be in my brain. Let's get into our lemon pepper parlay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Martin, my lemon pepper parlay for this week. I mean, we only got two games to choose from. Can you believe it, Martin? It's only three more NFL games. Are you getting sad? I am getting sad. The playoffs are always like the feeling of, man, this thing's about to be over. And uh, you know what? To me, I'll go out on a limb. Both of them are attractive matchups. Well, I agree. <laughs> so for mine, I'm taking Chiefs on the money line, and I'm pairing that with the over in Lions 49ers at 51. I think it's going to be a lot of points scored in that game. I get both of those plays at a good plus 400. I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to take both underdogs against the spread. I do think the Lions have a shot to win this game outright, especially, again, if Debo doesn't play. I think Debo moves the line. not like not like like Unlike many other position players, moves the line. Like, if Debo, you know, I think this might be baked into him, like kind of being 50-50. Uh, but I'm definitely taking the Lions in the seven, and I'm taking the Chiefs in the three and a half. But I do think that the Chiefs, I would not recommend the Chiefs at three. I think this is a field goal game. And I see Justin Tucker getting the Baltimore Ravens into the Super Bowl. And you just want to break your friend's heart. That's crazy, man. Listen, I, I, listen. if I could predict the future, I, I would let you know what was going to happen. And I, man, I, you know what? I also would be a lot better than what? 124, 132, and 10 against the spread this season. <laughs> that is right, man. Well, we got three more games to go. It's been a fun year. Starting to get a little sad, but hopefully it ends with. You're talking like a guy who's like, your season might be over this weekend. No, mm. I'm, talking about just, I'm talking about just the NFL season in general. Mm-hmm. But hey, but I feel good though, right? Because this could be the podcast of champions. Michigan won, Chiefs, Lions. Are you claiming the Lions now? Wow. <laughs> now I'm not claiming the Lions, but I am. I'm. I'm I can't even lie. I'm so happy for so many of my no, friends and so many of the people that I know in that city that it like, I don't want to be like, you know, you should feel happy to be here because again, you got to win the one that no one's expecting you to, you know, that's the one, that's the key to the, the sustained success in my opinion. Yeah. So, th- but I do think that this is the one, if you were to judge, I mean, dude, going into last weekend, the Lions were 10 to one to win the Super Bowl. That's crazy. It's <laughs> insane. With eight teams left. That's insane. It's insane. It's insane. So, but really, this is a big moment for the Brock Purdy agenda. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because it was, ooh, it was looking dark. It was looking dark before. You got somebody was saying, drive. "Well, did you see that last drive? He looked like Montana." Yeah, I also watched the first three and a half quarters. <laughs> right. All right, man. Good luck this weekend, buddy. Good, good luck to you too, pal. Maybe yeah, I'll go to the Chiefs bar and watch it with you. Pull up, man. I'll be there.